1: Rebel Guru Radio is sponsored by Cramp Medic, the most powerful cramp-fighting supplement on the market.
0: I think it's an excellent product. I can honestly say for myself, and this is, of course, uh, difficult to say because it's coming from me, but I hope you take my word on it. I don't think there's anything out there better than Cramp Medic for leg cramps. I used to get them on a near daily basis, maybe every couple of days. I know that uh, when I had my motorcycle or bicycle, uh, my legs would be the worst. I would wake up in the middle of the night in pain. Uh, there have been times where I've thought about, maybe I should go to the emergency room. Since I've used Medic, I probably use one serving and I will not have to reach into using this again probably for two, two and a half weeks. That is more than double what I felt was the recommended like once for every seven days, that's how effective it is. I do think that people need to use it for two to three times to build up somehow in your, in your system. We have mainly all positive reviews. Apple cider vinegar is what is going to reduce, you know, acid buildup in your muscle tissue very rapidly. Cayenne pepper is going to expand your capillaries to move that blood into those tight cramping muscles that just do not want to let blood in there to soften it. It is very, very effective. It is going to get in there electrolytes very fast. It's going to do the job. It's just a great product. And that's what I have to say about it, crampmedic.com. The other thing I wanted to say is the Higher Balance Institute store, HBI, our Uh We've worked very hard at reducing and slashing the pricing, trying to keep it as a mainstay price forum. Uh, people have said over the years it's too expensive for them and they can't afford it. Uh, I don't know what the next excuse is going to be because it is extremely affordable. Um, we're doing our best to do that, having Cramp Medic, finding other stuff to maneuver around so we can keep this thing going, uh, has allowed us to bring those prices down. Uh, we do have a lot, a lot of material, a lot of classes that are really excellent I feel. You know, going probably for several dollars, some of those classes Uh, probably at least 70, 80% off of what we charge, maybe even more. Uh, One thing we may do is maybe change around in the store, like uh, uh, bi-monthly or something, which modules we're offering because there's so many, I think people get lost in it. So if there is something you want, I strongly suggest you grab it before we start moving it around, but it will come available again. It just may take six months to a year before all those other ones start arriving. Uh, back for availability and we're going to start taking down some, probably to try to keep some organization to just the, the bulk of uh, information there, which I'm very proud of. Um, so that's what I have to say on that. Please check out Higher Balance Institute, uh, you know, or higherbalance.com and uh, support Higher Balance. Please get uh, and try out Cramp uh, Medic for family, friends, anybody who has leg muscle problems or any kind of muscle problems in particular. It it truly is the best product out there no foams no creams you don't have to run to the bathroom if you're working at the office to put on foams on your leg by pulling on your pants trying to get to your legs uh no need for tablets
2: one shot seven days phenomenal if you are interested in acquiring eric pepins books visit higherbalancebooks.com
3: Balance Institute presents telepathy. Can you briefly describe what will be covered in this
0: course? Well, you're going to have a greater understanding of what real telepathy is. You're going to be able to develop the skill of telepathy in order to benefit yourself to gathering information about other people that may or may not be affecting your life. You will also be able to incorporate this eventually into scanning into other areas because they're they're basically one and the same thing. If you go into a residence and you want to enhance your sensory, you can kind of scan for any mental activity or any conscious thoughts or intelligence, per se, of having an intention You will be broadcasted to you. It doesn't necessarily have to be an individual to utilize telepathy. Again, this is a part of what I call the sixth sense. It is just a way to direct, out of many ways, the sixth sense ability. You're directing this ability into a specific area, which we're calling for the time being telepathy. And it can be utilized for many other things if one is creative enough.
3: What is the difference between telepathy, psychometry, and scanning?
0: They're obviously connected, as I've often said. First of all, telepathy. Let's talk about what people right off the bat think. When you hear the word telepathy, the first thing that comes to mind is mind reading. And when you think of mind reading, you basically come down to the conclusion that you're going to hear the thoughts, the inner workings of the individual you're reading their mind. That's not necessarily how telepathy really works, Although it is certainly feasible that you could pick up on somebody's thoughts in that manner, and it has been done in certain circumstances, but the reality is there's a lot of variations to the full scope of what telepathy is. Psychometry is actually the ability to take an object, tune into that object, and gather information. You are not exactly using a mind reading process you are really using a different means to gather information so it wouldn't be considered telepathy in any way scanning is certainly within the realms of telepathy in fact scanning is very similar to telepathy when you really begin to understand what telepathy is scanning generally is used to gather information on an individual or a person let's say you're out in public and there's someone who particularly captures your eye, whether it be a male or a female, you then use your mind or a form of telepathy, basically, to gather information about that individual.
3: How does telepathy work?
0: Empathing. I mean, that's part of the family of telepathy. So when a person empathically picks up, they're picking up the feelings And the emotions of other people and they're picking up also depression anxiety stresses that may not be their own so part of your training in telepathy is to be able to assert what really belongs to you and what is not from you so that you can categorize it so it doesn't really consume you or that your brain doesn't react to it if the brain can acknowledge this is perhaps an outside influence it's not going to have such a dramatic effect on you and then you can move yourself to higher levels of telepathic abilities. Empathing would be one of the first to pick up emotions from other people. The second level to telepathy is going to be able to refine conscious information from another individual. You're not going to hear, you know, well I gotta go to the store today or have somebody say project numbers at me or words. What you're going to start off developing is a kind of knowing. I mean, females, as I said before, have a natural aptitude to develop a form of telepathy. You'll find that they analyze you as a person. When you come in, they're almost like feeling you. They're studying your texture. And what I mean by your texture is your facial movements, your eye movements, the movement of your head, maybe left or right, whether you have a feminine or masculine aspect to your personality. Whether they know it or not, they're picking it up because they're very, very social. In pre-history of man, women spent their time raising children, communicating with one another, and developing social skills to sense when there was uncomfortable communication versus comfortable. So they can read your body language very well. And I believe that as time progressed, they began to have a unvocalized communication for the most part. They can feel intimidation from other women, territorial stuff. There's an inner sensory to them. Now... With men, because they would go out into the fields, per se, or out hunting into the forest, they have a different social structure. There's a camaraderie ship, but it's very different. It's more designed for using their mind in a way to be creative in the hunter-gatherer spectrum, so their brain works more in a holographic imagery-wise. It's a different arena, so it's a little bit harder for males to cross over into the telepathy versus females. Having said that, you're going to sense a person's presence or their desire or their intention rather than feeling their anxieties they may have in the very beginning a sense of negative intention for you and you're going to know that how do you know that because there's a part of you that feels their presence that's a form of telepathy now where you really get into direct telepathy versus empathing is that telepathy would be more of a sense of directing your will to intentionally feel something from someone or searching for information versus just feeling what you randomly pick up, which would be empathing. For instance, if I wanted to really get a sense of where someone was coming from, let's say on a, a base level, I could pick up whether or not that person likes me or doesn't like me. I can pick up what their intentions are towards me or if they're ambivalent towards me. I would be able to pick up whether or not they were fronting me. Fronting me means being very charming on the outside, but in the inside, they're invoking, I really don't like you go away. Those are your first basic levels of telepathy. And you have to remember something. With this kind of knowledge, it's not purely all about scanning with ability or telepathy or psychic ability, ESP, whatever you want to call it. In the very beginning, it is really acutely using your senses to pick up another person through observation. You can get a lot of information by just very subtle movements of their facial structure that can really say a huge amount of information. So go with that. Don't deny it. It exists. Utilize that. And what happens is as you push yourself for more information, the details of what you're picking up goes beyond what you could really guesstimate from what you're seeing. Number two is the big secret to this kind of knowledge is, again, what I always keep referring to is this inner knowing. The inner knowing knows more, but in our conscious mind, within our brain per se, we tend to ignore what it says to us. For instance, I'll often say to people who have problems in their relationships, they break up and they're all upset and everything. I'll ask, when you first met this person, what was your first feelings, your first thoughts? And they are going to be like, well, I thought he was a jerk. I didn't like him. I just really despised him. And I said, well, why didn't you listen to that initial information that you picked up on? The point is, is that instinctive sense that you have from your initial meeting really gave you a lot of information. And that is part of that telepathic sensory. I often say that when I do psychic work, the best people to do psychic work on are the people you don't know, because there's less for your mind to kind of draw on to say, this is what this person's all about. So the less you know, the more reliant you have to be on their base observation at first. So you push the brain that way, but you have to really then push for another sensory to start giving you information. And this is when your mind starts to scan them for data versus if you know a lot about a person, your brain starts throwing you things that you kind of know about them and you have a broader range of speculating about them. So it becomes much more difficult to really draw on that higher source of picking up information. It's about self-observation to start to pick up on one's telepathic abilities to start recognizing when you're doing it and when that information slips streams in so you can catch yourself doing it from time to time when you find that you're catching yourself doing it you can expand upon that feeling of where you're at when it happens it's like catching it then going hmm this is very interesting and then reproducing that effect on a broader level so that gives you an idea of how it works. To say it's any one specific thing, it's very hard to put your finger on. It's such a broad part of the extrasensory abilities. It's more or less you're tempting to specialize that sense in a specific area, and that would be called telepathy. Does there ever
3: come a point when you can actually hear another person's thoughts in your head?
0: yes if we were to break it into levels that would be like the high end of picking it up the reason is is again the secret to telepathy is to go right back to what i've taught from the very beginning emotion is the communicator of the universe it is the communicator that precedes all languages so when you think of terms of telepathy if you can think of terms of picking up one's emotion receiving that emotion and its complexity and its detail Your brain, then, if you can allow it to flow, will then begin to communicate what that information actually means. And it can be very, very, very complex. Everything has an emotion. If I were to say to you, I want you to feel a needle, feel the poking of that needle, feel the metal of that needle, feel the coolness of that needle, you can feel it because you have memory induced of that information and you can feel it so without saying it if you were to feel the sensory of a needle you say wait a minute i know what that is if you can learn to pick up on those things in a variety of ways and learn not to screen them all out because that's what we do naturally if you allow them to flow in you can begin to communicate telepathically what the intentions or the information is from other people back to your question can you hear words Words are like from a lower region of the brain. It's very foreign to your higher sensory level. Your whole sixth sense is designed to take you outside of your five senses, which are whole different features. It's like to say, can you touch what your eyes see? Can you hear what your mouth tastes? You could really get philosophical and say some ways yes, but for the realistic level, the answer is no. So words that we communicate, we've learned to mimic those words in our head, but in reality, It's a much cruder level of communicating information for this extent, so it has a very difficult time trying to convey that. If you think of words when we speak them, you don't necessarily feel them. If I say chocolate cake, butter pecan, or peanut butter, you're not really giving it any thought. It's like empty data. Whereas if I was to say to you, think about a spoon with a scoop of peanut butter on it, and you flip it over and you're pulling it from your mouth off, Feel about the texture, think about the smell, the flavor. You can you can almost recreate that whole sensory. Your higher conscious works on that level more naturally than actually words. Words just don't seem to flow correctly with it. It's not the correct texture that your sensory is looking for. Yes, in rare cases you can get words, but it kind of works uniquely. I mean, there's been a lot of research with twins and couples who've been together for a long time, they tend to finish off one another's sentences or can pick up on what the other person's desires. Now, in one way, you could say they've lived together so long that they get a sense of all that, and it's basically number crunching in the brain in other ways. But, you know, a lot of studies have indicated very interesting things. When the other one's been in pain or they could put their hands in a bucket of ice water and the other one says something cold versus something hot they're touching – It's just amazing the amount of information. So that is another form of telepathy. But again, it's all emotionally based, but they're communicating it back into words. In rare cases, you can hear words. You can hear entire conversations in your head and you'll hear it in that person's voice. But there is a natural governor within the brain that directly pushes it out because it doesn't recognize the source. You see, if you hear voices in your head, the first thing that you're going to think is I'm either going insane or I've got schizophrenia or something to that effect. So your natural inclination is, is to throw it out. So there's natural resistors to all this. So when you do have a telepathic level like that, you know, it's either when you're on hallucinogenics and all these doorways are just ripped open and they're just held open, which actually does a lot of damage in the end. Or you're in a very, very clear state of meditation with another individual. You have such clarity and such resolve within your mind that you can then broadcast in rare cases information if you're syncing well with that person. But again, I think it's almost a waste of time to focus on verbiage when you can excel to dramatic levels. If you can just learn to train yourself to work on this empathetic level of information, it's by far much more advanced in many ways. What if someone speaks a language you don't understand? doesn't matter. In the beginning, for more complex levels, it can. They're going to have the same base information that you're going to have. They're going to know hot and cold. They're going to know pain and love. They're going to know joy and sadness. They're going to know the feel of cotton, the touch of leather, the coolness of steel, the touch of a lover's hair, the smell. This is a universal language. If aliens came down from space and we could not understand them culturally in any way, shape, or form, and their experiences may be extremely different because their five senses or ten senses, for that matter, are completely different how they experienced in our own, there may be a bridge of communication. But in the end, you're still going to have a base level of information. I believe it's absolutely universal. So you would be able to develop a form of communication. And it's more than likely what is going to be in the end, what would be sent from them rather than them having a conversation. I do believe in the end that they're going to develop a mental level of communicating rather than them trying to communicate to you, whether it's clicks and gurgles or whether it's going to be in our language or whatnot, which is very unlikely. Just the the position of the vocal box in the throat and the range of possibilities are going to be profoundly unique.
3: What if someone is a very visual thinker? Is it possible to see their visualizations?
0: Well, yes, absolutely. This is how it works. First, you've got to learn a level of being clear, which means you have a limitation of how much is going through your brain for verbiage. Your intent would be to feel other people. And you would use your eyes to direct that because, again, you're utilizing a certain level of your normal senses and tying it in for more information until you get better and better and better. So if you looked at someone, you would then desire to feel them at first. You would desire to almost want to know what they felt like or feel them inside of you. In a sense, you mirror them. You almost are envisioning that you are them for a second eventually you move past it, and it's not really necessary it's not something you really give thought to it's just an intention of, of wanting to experience it for a second if you almost envision yourself as them you can feel what it is to be them by being them for a moment you get insight to their configuration of their consciousness to their being you get a sense of what they like what they don't like what would turn them on and what would turn them off you now have a broader level of communicating or getting more information from them. You're essentially opening the communication path. If you get distracted and someone's talking to you, that communication's going to drop. If they approach you and start talking to you, there's going to be two levels. One is going to be feeling them, and the other part is you really communicating on a verbal level, but you're still connecting with them. The interesting thing is, is they're going to be aware that you're doing it. They're just not going to understand what's going on. Some people will say there was just a certain feeling with this person. They're scanning you. They're connecting with you on this like level of energy. Your energy saying, hey, there's something going on here, but you don't know how to communicate it or articulate it in your consciousness. There's definitely a feeling there. You're just not skilled enough to pay attention to it long enough.
3: How would that be different than assimilation?
0: Assimilation now, again, reflects telepathy, but... It's also used to feel what it's like to be a tree, or an animal, or an object, a couch, a table. I mean, so simulation has a different purpose. But again, they're all kind of a marriage in the sensory field. So there is a similarity, but it's not as defined. Telepathy means you want streaming information. You want more information about what this person's thoughts are. What are thoughts? Thoughts are emotion. They're invoked from emotion. Is there love? Is there an interest? Is there a disgust? You know, what are their feelings and how does it communicate as a language to me? Where a simulation is you're more feeling the presence of the person rather than live streaming information is the best way I could explain it. Who would benefit from telepathy? I would say that this kind of knowledge would suit someone who would be in the military best. Martial artists would benefit a lot from this because they would have an extra edge on person's intentions to what their next move would be and i would say that this would be a good tool for therapists and psychologists because it it gives them kind of an inside scoop to whether that person is lying to them or being truthful it would be good for anybody who would be in a sense of where they could be physically endangered that's the kind of stuff that telepathy comes in best for what are thoughts are thoughts alive Well, thoughts are invoked, first of all, by emotion. Your brain then now has to reinterpret them into a structure to formalize from me to you or to anybody here back and forth. Therefore, they're an energy. They're part of your consciousness. They're part of your being. They're invoked from some inner part of yourself by observation, recepting in you what you feel about that, and then resurfacing it out to convey it out. There's the physical body. You have all these senses that touch and feel and smell and everything. They take data in. The data is converted into electricity, energy, call it whatever you want. The brain kind of gets it and it sorts it, it formulates it, and then again it processes it to what I call the mind or to your higher consciousness. The same goes for what's in your mind is being received. It then reciprocates back into the brain and then it wants it to convert it so you can express it in this dimension. Thoughts are alive. They're alive. Because they're felt. What emotion can you feel that's not a lie? Because you're feeling it, it's, it has an intention, it has a creativity, it has an existence in a sense. What
3: are some general barriers one must overcome to practice telepathy?
0: I hate to say this, but most people can be very deceptive. People feel a bit violated or intimidated when they know that your intention is to get information from them. Another reason why it's also very difficult to really study telepathy in a sense it's controlled is that when you know that you're supposed to broadcast, it's almost like the brain converts or it takes a different stance on it. It has to be almost natural. There has to be like a, a surrender or a natural flow. When it's rehearsed, it's like a freezing up mechanism occurs, It's because energy must be very subtle and flowing. It has a natural resistance to be contained into this dimension. The second that you think in terms of we're going to give this information and practice it, it's like, again, taking the emotional feeling and converting it into a physical. So when you really think about it, you're telling yourself, we're going to do this willfully. So now I've got to artificially produce emotions by consciously knowing what I want to project. This is what has a back kick to it and almost prevents it from really emanating out correctly. And this is what makes it very difficult. It's the same reason that as soon as somebody knows that there's something going on, it'll flow. But if they suspect or believe in telepathy, immediately they're going to sense that you're getting information from them. And there's a natural barrier that comes up. There's a natural resistance of who are you to get information from me. These are, of course, circumstances that one has to take in consideration. Much like all levels of the sixth sense, you have to kind of get around the governor. There's a set level of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable internally in you, and you have to find loopholes around that. Can you only use telepathy with humans? Not just human. I would say there's other beings you can use it with. I think you can use it with alien beings. And I certainly think that you can use it in many cases with animals. I think animals show a high level in many cases of a telepathy ability of feeling and sensory. I mean, for instance, my dog a few months ago, was making a very like you know barking painful sound, okay, and I ran out immediately to see what's mad and I couldn't see anything and he he just kind of sat there looking at me, and I thought, well, maybe he twisted his paw or maybe he was out doing something and he got hurt or something, and I felt from him this intense pain still, and so I knew something was wrong, and of course it it didn't for all whites man it didn't nothing looked wrong and I thought, well, you know, by all ways and measures, by observation, through my eyes, from what I could see, everything should be okay. He just got scared. Maybe he got stuck in something. Now it's over. He was a puppy. I knew he was also emanating a level of pain. So I decided, you know what? my dog's in pain and I'm going to react to this. And I tucked my dog and went into the car and shot off to the vet, went to the vet, the vet looked at the dog and was like, no, I don't think there's anything wrong. Blah, 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 blah. Maybe, you know, whatever, maybe it it just kind of had maybe a brain seizure or something. And I just knew internally that this is, this not, that's not right. And I was like, well, well look at its mouth and i just kind of knew to to do that so she opens up the mouth and his, you know looking at the tongue nothing there and all of a sudden i see this little black speck for a second she closes mouth she says i don't see anything i says well i seen something to open the mouth again and she got mad at me she opened it i says what is that and she's like well i don't know i says it looks like a stinger from a bee she goes oh well she says you know something i think you might be right sure enough the stinger was in his tongue throbbing but animals have a different way of communicating pain they they kind of internalize it, they cope with it they, they have less mechanisms of broadcasting complex emotions per se but i was receptive enough at least in this case to very much pick that information up and internalize it not understanding what it is because from the source it came from is very minimal in its communication but i knew it wasn't good they were able to pull it out of its tongue and i and i felt shortly after i felt that the the pain kind of went away, and I, I felt that he would be better. So, again, this is just another level of, of telepathy, per se. There are studies where they will film dogs under cameras at their home, and when the owner is driving like within a mile or five miles, all of a sudden the dog will get up and wait by the door. This is a telepathic sensory. We have to look at one thing. A dog is absolutely attracted to you for two reasons. One, there's a bonding level there, and then there's food A food source. Its mind or its intent is always on you for those two things. I mean, a dog isn't thinking about a large variety of things like we do. So telepathically, I feel it has a greater connection to that source of food and that source of attention. And therefore, it's going to pick up on it more easily rather than random. So there is a level of intention there. I think some dogs, it doesn't work out well for because I think maybe the people leave food out 24-7. So it doesn't have a need for food and maybe it gets enough attention that it doesn't really calculate it into its sensory. If the dog is dependent when you get home at random times rather than a systematic time, it may be more connected to you telepathically to feel that presence coming in and know it's going to be rewarded shortly. I think our our minds, our energies are really open. I think that you could say that the matrix of the Gaia mind on some other levels besides the higher levels of, of how that works, we're all kind of interconnected in a way. It's when you really evolve spiritually, you you can withdraw your consciousness from this collective grid. But you can really pick up information from anybody as long as they're unconscious of the fact that that's what your intention is. Unless they have all sorts of kind of energy fields and conscious fields put up. But the vast majority of people, if you just simply want information from them, you can get it almost instantaneous. It's just how complex that information is that will determine. It's like you have to go into deeper levels within their mind as you get into more personal information. It's different for different cultures. Whatever you consider personal is what you hold deeper in your mind. Stuff that you consider less personal is more on the surface. Like you're more likely to get a sense of what they do for work rather than you're going to get for their sex life. There's outer layers that get easier and easier and easier or just personality, whether they're touchy, whether they're not touchy. That's all very surface energy stuff. I think women will pick up more data naturally than what men would. But if you practice and you are refined in it, then that would determine how much information you get. I also think it has a lot to do with what you've been exposed to in your life. I would say a Vietnam vet who just recently came back for war would have a very high sensory range. They're going to pick up in any movement you have, any conscious thought that goes beyond that. There's almost a reaction of them to pay attention to you. So it's not just a physical, they're almost on edge on a higher level, but it's been exclusively designed for survival rather than personal information. Other people, depending on their work, have different kind of sensories that they unconsciously develop. It's going to be different for every kind of person, and it depends on whether you've applied yourself or practice at it, or if your work has created a natural, without being aware of it, sensory development.:
3: Does someone have to be
0: spiritually
3: evolved, or can they just be psychic?
0: I believe for the most part when we're dealing with psychic phenomena that this is not some super unusual thing. I think it's a portion and faculty of the human brain. I believe it's a function that we just simply have not exercised enough. But I do believe that everybody has had it kick in. Mothers will wake up in the middle of the night knowing something happened to a family member. That person in their reaction could have sent out a broadcast And that family member knows their frequency so well that they tune into that information and they interpret that emotion into, oh my God, something horrible has happened. They may not know what it is, but they knew something horrible happened because they're just getting an impact of that information, that emotion. They reformulate to what that could be. They don't know if it's a plane crash or a gunshot or whatever, but they know there's been a traumatic vibration sent out from that person that they received telepathically. Other people will get a sensory of something kind of in a bar, something's going to go down or there's certain tensions and and know that maybe they don't want to be a part of it. Or maybe you might pick up those intentions from a, a blind date or someone walking up to you on the street. You feel a certain cautious level. That's a form of telepathy because that person's broadcasting. So different variations, different circumstances. The bottom line is this. Practice makes perfect. If you intentionally want to develop this skill, the sky's the limit. If you unintentionally develop it, it's going to have a limit because it's something that you're not really trying to refine. It's just kind of happening, so it will meet a level of perfection that it will stay at, or imperfection.
3: Could a red cell successfully develop telepathic abilities?
0: Yes, unwittingly. I think that a lot of martial artists do it, and they may not be developing really spiritually. I think that firefighters can develop it police officers develop it military people develop it it just goes on and on i remember watching a program on discovery channel or something where they had firemen who would be in the middle of these these huge fires out in california and then all of a sudden they you know the the person with the most experience per se would get a a feeling or a sense to go down the road And even though the fire most likely wasn't going to go there in any way, it was going to go this way and ruin hundreds of homes, they would just initially act on on their feelings and send all these people down there. Now, you could say, well, did they telepathically get information from the fire? I would say they got information telepathically not just from the fire but from the plant life. Living organisms that are giving information and somehow they're tapping into higher levels of what we get into the level of what I call predictive future. These are all working together, but it's still data. It's still information. And they internalize it. And when these people were asked, how did you know? They say, I just felt it. I just kind of knew from a feeling. It wasn't really just a hunch. It was just a kind of knowing. And I I just knew I had to react. And so they decided to react to that. Everything has an emotion. So if you take two things, you put them together, that creates a different emotion. Do you see what I'm saying? An example would be, imagine what it feels like to see an empty glass, Okay. now fill it with water. Does it have a different feeling? Exactly. And he goes on and on and on like that. Okay. so what they're really doing, and they don't really understand this yet, but they're creating scenarios to show them on film that creates different feelings and emotions. So the more experience they say that they have, they seem to have a higher level of accuracy, I would say yes, because they, they can now define what that emotion is to interpret what it means and then react to it. And that's a form of telepathy. If all five senses
3: have some physical way for the sensory to come in, then is there a
0: physical sensory associated
3: with telepathy?
0: Telepathy is how you feel your emotions. Ask yourself where you feel your emotions. You don't feel them here. You kind of feel them here. I mean, there's one clear way. If you've ever been in love and love hasn't worked out for you, it's going to feel like somebody's stepping on your chest from time to time. There's this huge pressure that builds up in your, maybe your muscles or your inner muscles or something. You have the sighing all the time, and this is how the body works with emotions. It's, It's your emotional center. So because telepathy is very emotionally based, I often would say that the majority of it is something you internally feel here and you also recognize in your mind center. For a man, I suspect they're going to centralize it more here. If you're feminine, masculine, you're going to get it in both, okay? And women, ironically enough, get a lot of also their their feeling in their lower part of their body, like in, in their stomach region almost. And it, it usually has a lot to do with tension and anxiety for them in that area. So these are all different centers, and it depends on, on what you've chosen in your body to, to really experience that information. The
3: reason you get that Tension in your abdomen. Does that have anything to do with your vase chakra?
0: Actually, it has to do with your womb. It is your center for creating life. There's a maternal instinct that develops in there of preservation. You really learn to communicate from there. So, there doesn't necessarily have to be life there. It's another way how you reciprocate emotion. Perhaps if you ever have a baby, for those who have, there is a communication, there's a kind of knowing, and that knowing is also very similar to what we're saying. So if there's something wrong, often women will say, I, I kind of felt something was wrong, I kind of knew something was wrong. It is a preservation sensory. This is why for women, they, they get a lot of their emotions in the lower part of their body. And men tend to get it in the upper chest area and in more cerebral. How much of a role do chakras play in telepathy? Chakras are definitely worth giving credit to, but you have to remember, chakra points are really fueling stations. They're exactly what you have learned in the foundation series. They're designed to give you energy for a spectrum of different results. Your lower chakra, again, is your your more structural energy. Your heart chakra is going to be more emotional. It's, again, within that emotional center, and it's going to affect the lower and upper as you're taught in foundation. And so it's going to have an effect. The more that you would meditate on your heart chakra, more than likely you're going to develop a higher empathic level. By combining it with your mind chakra, you're going to get that willful telepathic combination when you want to work in developing. You're going to have both the resources to combine in order to achieve the results. But remember, it is the fuel behind the sensory.
3: A lot of people associate telepathy with the throat
0: chakra is there any truth to that well I, I disagree I, I associate the throat chakra with your health and I don't think it's really necessary to fully meditate on that I think again the, the best position is heart mind you know in your lower chakra and they're going to affect all the other ones if you tend to to work on the other chakra points you're just you're just spreading the spectrum of time for you to develop in my opinion Could two people have a conversation without talking? Well, two people would have to be very open to one another. There has to be trust level. You see, again, it gets back to being in a a test situation. And while you're in a test situation, you're aware of that. So that creates barriers subconsciously. When people have used hallucinogenics, let's say acid, okay, LSD, they often report a telepathic communication. It's like they just can read each other's minds. It's not that they really hear each other's words, but they know what each other's intentions are. Like they they both will get up to go outdoors or something, or they'll both think about playing ping pong at the same time, or one of them will have an epiphany of something really funny, and the other person knows exactly what they're laughing about. This is telepathy, okay? But what the LSD did was it removed the anxiety, the governor... Of observation there's no more barrier of someone observing you or there's no more a conformity to social structure the dough that subconsciously is always governing your your decisions and it's different because you could say well what about people who drink alcohol it's a different center of the brain it affects where lsd is complete but i am not suggesting anybody go out and use lsd because it's tearing these doorways open there are other methods of achieving things like this So if you wanted to have somebody to work with to do this, one, you have to feel very comfortable with them. You have to have a trust level. You know, when you are working and getting information from other people, there's there's a level of sneakiness because you know what your intentions are and there's no fear because you're getting information about somebody else very stealthy. That's what's helping you get that information. As I said to you before, as soon as the person knows or suspects that you're getting information, there's like a big shutdown of that. So here you go again with that same concept. So when two people are trying to do it, if they feel absolutely comfortable, if they can relax themselves and get their mind to be clear, you then can begin to reciprocate a kind of information. And I would say again, utilize the meditation system we teach. When you finish with that, um, have a set intention to begin practicing. I would say get pictures of a rabbit, a building, a couch. And instead of provoking that image of those objects, Feel them, feel those objects and broadcast that feeling to that person and then see what that person ends up describing, even if it's within the ballpark in the beginning. And then, and then better and better as you guys refine those to see how well you can. And that's what a lot of the studies out there are are, are dabbling in. And the results are, you know, amazing.
3: Do people unconsciously have telepathic experiences?
0: Yes. How does that happen? The governor is thrown off balance. There is a spike in some kind of information, or your unconscious mind feels there's a need to know something, or for some reason it connects. Again, it's it's part of that primitive instinct, much how I says how a mother would wake up in the middle of the night knowing something, or how you might sense there's something bad's gonna happen down the road, or how you know it's going to be a bad day. The, there's like a, a network of vibrations already you're picking up on telepathically. Haven't you ever like been in another room and you know people are talking about you in a negative way? That's telepathy. I mean, clearly, boldly, clearly. I don't care how scientific you want to get. That's telepathy, and they're invoking your consciousness. You're within a range. Sometimes you can be really far away, and you 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 have a knowing that you're being talked about, and you know if it's going to be negative or if it's going to be positive. Generally, we pick up on the negative because it's it's something where we're feeling intruded upon, okay, or concerned about. So unconsciously, we pick up on that more easily, but you know. So you really get an information. The problem is is you don't know the the specifics of it because you're thinking now with with your rational brain instead of just clearing it and just trying to to internalize it inside of you and then deciphering what those emotions are. An example would be if I received a phone call from a very close friend of mine from the other side of the country and they said that they were very concerned their husband was cheating. And I said to that person, well, what makes you feel that way? And they go, well, I don't know. I said, well, do you have any proof? And they're like, no. I said, is this person acting any differently? They're like, well, no. I said, well, then how would you, you know, why do you feel this way? They said, I feel it deep within like a gut feeling, they said. It's like I just know in my gut. And I said to this person, I said, well, you need to trust your instincts. Your instincts are communicating something to you. Because you're so close to this person, you're feeling it. And that is telepathy. And sure enough, this person was being promiscuous, and eventually they ended up separating not too long after that. This is a form of telepathy. Telepathy is really very emotionally based, and you have to have a trust of your feelings. You have to be able to discern what is artificially created within your mind versus what you are receiving for information. And that is the most difficult thing about developing telepathy, is that you, if you can learn to have a certain clarity and then approach something with an intent of knowing something, you're going to get a good reception. But you have to be very careful with keeping the mind, or I should say the brain, very calm. If you get the brain excited, it's going to start throwing rubbish at you. Do you see what I'm saying? So the, the trick is keeping it very calm while you're getting this information. Now, imagery. A form of telepathy, which is often used also with psychometry to like see the future, okay? You can get images from a person, which often I would say is how sometimes people say that they're talking to deceased members of their family, and they're amazed often like how they would know this information. And what I'm suggesting is is they're, they're really not talking to the deceased person. They're actually picking up fragmented memories from you or emotional thoughts from you. They're thinking or believing personally this is a being that they're picking up on rather than they're actually getting it from you as a source of information. But if you look at someone, you can begin to get information from them not only emotionally, but if you get really good you'll begin to see images. Your intent would be, I want to know what their wife looks like or their husband looks like. You'll get very faint images at first. Not very clear because you're you're skeptical. You have doubt. And you have to find a way of relaxing your doubt or just saying to yourself, well, it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. Let's just see what I get. So as you get this information and you learn to trust yourself in the information, you'll find that the accuracy gets better and better and better as you progress. Again, if it's someone you know you're more fearful of being right or wrong because you're envisioning what you think about them. So your accuracy is less for some reason. If it's someone you don't know at all, and of course you don't feel like they're testing you or or you're you're in a position to be nervous, like they're going to question your skills or your abilities, you just have to have a friendly position and just have that person understand that you're practicing with them, that your skill level may not be so good. Your accuracy, as you build more trust for yourself, will increase dramatically over time. And the information you get will get better and better and better. But like anything else, it takes practice.
3: What is the relationship between the pineal gland and telepathy?
0: I think that the the pineal gland definitely is a major contributor or at least a significant contributor to the sensory field. I mean... We basically have three stages of human brain. We have basically the mammalian neocortex reptilian. You're really after the reptilian portion of the brain. The reptilian is kind of the primitive part of the brain that I believe holds these higher sensories. And you're taking the more advanced part of the brain and you're really trying to make use of more primitive parts of the brain that were less complicated. And by uniting the two of them, you're now enhancing your sixth sensibility beyond what animals can do. The pineal often is referred to in a sense where people will say they have a third eye or your mind's eye or stuff like that. Or if you close your eyes, you can see images. It's kind of like it's like in front of you, but slightly up maybe. This is all from what is believed to be the pineal gland or the center or what they call the third eye. And there there is believed to be a connection between the two. There are exercises that I teach, which we'll give at some point, to manipulate those to, to strengthen that area also.
3: Is it harder to practice telepathy as you get older? Well,
0: I think there's certain advantages to age. I think sometimes people who are much older are much better at telepathy. If you go right back to my fireman story, what did I say? The key element to telepathy was experience. There is no substitute for wisdom and experience. And therefore, as you grow older, providing you have your mental faculties for the most part, you have a, a much larger array of human emotions and understanding. You have more experience and more, more knowledge in a sense to refer to what you're feeling or what you're picking up to or for it to be converted into an image in your mind. I think in some ways, people who are older have a much larger advantage over those who are younger. What about children? The problem with children is that there is also a naiveness. They can't react to the emotion as well. You could say as a child, you knew if somebody had bad intentions for you or was going to exploit you, but yet you didn't really fight them off either. You you kind of were suckered along more or less, but you you kind of knew. So yes, there's a, a heightened sense of knowing, but there's also a limitation to reaction or how you process that. But if you if you wanted to reduce it down to whether there is a higher sensory, that I think children are highly sensitive. I think in many ways they're more psychic and more sensitive. I said this often than adults. I think they lose it as you begin to conform to society. But I think everybody here in their youth can attest to the fact that you could really feel the intentions of adults a lot more, and then feel the intentions of your environment or knew if it's a bad place or a good place. You just couldn't really articulate or formulate that sense in you very well. But on a crude level, you definitely got a feeling. How do you know when you have gone beyond just reading facial features? You really have to internalize that or share the information. Really, it's up to you by following up on what you're getting. And I encourage you to read facial features. I encourage you. But, you know, you you have to ask yourself a question. You are really... Judging a person based on your own sociological beliefs of what is a good person versus a bad person in some countries Gambling could be considered good if you have very strong sense of wrong that's tied into gambling Maybe in a religious sense or something you might judge them as a bad person so 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 again Judgment is really defined by what you're internalizing okay, or how you want to perceive their face A woman who who maybe is using this as an information source come up with the same conclusion about a man if it was from a different culture and a different belief system. The truth to the matter is, yes, there's a level that you can get from the face. You can kind of tell when somebody's maybe fibbing or telling the truth, and some people are better at it than others, okay? There's been studies that have uh, been done to to do as lie detectors. It was ironic that it was a Buddhist monk that scored like the highest level of reading people's faces when they were telling the truth and when they were lying. So. We do know that there's information given from the face, but it's broken into what are called like microseconds. You you, you have to pick it up in a microsecond, kind of the facial feature. So I believe that there's a vast amount of information that's giving through the face and communicated constantly and on an unconscious level, we're picking it up all the time. Having said that, I also believe that 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 is one level and that that information then can transcend to more complex levels. It's like like all of a sudden you might get a sense or want to know what their wife is like and you're getting a feeling of what kind of person that is, whether they're outspoken or whether they're calm and submissive. I mean, I don't believe that you're going to get that from someone's facial structure. So you've now moved beyond, if, If providing you find out you're accurate or not, you've now moved beyond And you're reading something from an unconscious level from that person, from their experience from that person. Do you follow me? So so that would be an extension above and beyond that. And keep in mind that that information is purely if you're physically able to see that person's facial structures. That's not attributing for people that might be a good distance away that you can't see very well, but yet you're getting feelings and vibrations of, of this person's presence. Or it's to say that in a group, you can walk past somebody, somebody just bumps you and you you get a very strong sensation about this person. Obviously, it goes well beyond on a telepathic level than just your physical, biological information that's shared. Is it harder to pick up thoughts in a crowded room? I'll give you an example. I mean, I remember when I was young and and we, we would have study hall, okay? and i would lay my head down because you know you get a little tired you've been at school all day and i I think most people can relate to this and there might be a lot of talking going on and a lot of noise or whatever but if you're in the zone you're in the zone and i I, you you kind of daydream and your daydream can be very vivid and very clear and something loud can happen in your daydream and you snap out of it and all of a sudden you hear the noise around you and you weren't even aware of it for a while you can be in a crowd but if you have concentration it's almost as if sound slows down it's like you're aware that it's there but you really are trafficking a direct data link to whatever you're focusing your mind on what or what has your attention and and it is how well you can control yourself from not being distracted so it's very unconscious but it's a consciousness behind that to happen
3: what about somebody you've never met you've only seen a picture of
0: this is getting into something beyond telepathy now. Okay, we're we're entering what I call the grid or the matrix. You get an image of someone, you get information. That's called photometry. Many of the cases I've worked on involve just photographs. And I would just connect with this this higher grid work of consciousness, the guy of mind, if you will, and retrieve data about this person. Sometimes you can just throw out random numbers. A person is thinking about that person will throw some numbers out on it and that's all you have to work with and you, you just get information from that depends on how tuned you are I mean I, I would say even for myself I'm not as good as what I was when I was younger because I don't do it as much as I used to so again whatever you you put yourself into is going to decide the skill level that you will attribute as you progress also and to what extent you can achieve certainly I would pick it up faster if I decided to apply myself more fully to it because it's, it's like memory it would just accelerate
3: When do people generally develop telepathic abilities?
0: Most people have telepathy on a fear basis. This is where most psychic ability comes from, from our primitive time as a survival instinct. We use telepathy, we use scanning, we use feeling an environment, okay, for survival. It's fear based. When we usually associate telepathy, it usually is in a negative way because. We usually feel it when people are talking badly about us, when we sense something in the environment that maybe for some reason has bad intention for us, but it's usually because we're fearful. And so, so it's very hard to see it in a positive light unless you really understand it. So when fear kicks in, your level of telepathy really increases. And an entity is going to communicate with you with emotion. And you're going to feel that emotion, that regret like something's threatening you. and now like primitive times this would be the same thing as a, as a lion or, or wolves or, or predatory animals you know wants to make dinner out of you, or other tribes that, that mean to do you harm, and you would feel their intention. So having entities is, is really no different. They're broadcasting a vibration, a, a feeling, and you're internalizing it, and you're getting the drift of what that that means. And your, your your body begins to react to that fear. Where do telepathic abilities come from? Your emotional center, for the most part, okay. But it's it's very much an organic process. Your sixth sense is not from your soul. It's not from your dimensional body. Your sixth sense, I believe, is the most finite level of your organic senses. You have five senses. This would be would be a sensory very unique that, that we don't really utilize well and we're not very familiar with. It is an organic sensory within the brain. It really is designed to help build our dimensional bodies to prepare to leave beyond this, this physical life. It's the tool that we develop in order to learn, by learning, by experience, by reflecting, by thought, is what creates dimensional bodies. So the more sensories you have to collect information creates the forces of energy to bend and be created into a dimensional body. It's it's by what you perceive. Perception isn't just what you see. It could be touch. It can be smell. It can be hearing. And it is a sixth sense that adds the last structures. It's like building a, a car and adding the seats and the cushions and the speedometer and everything you need, but you're missing the battery. So you're not going to go anywhere. You can have the tires. You can have the frame of the car. You can have the cushioned seats. You can have the steering wheel to turn it left or right. You can have the engine, the motor, all of these things. But in order to have the the, the finality, the, the final process of it, you need to add the battery. And this is what I'm saying from the very beginning, is that man has the five senses, but they're missing the battery, or they're missing a critical element, and they're not seeing it. Developing the sensory, you may say, well, how is this going to help me spiritually? Well, how how did you get to where you are now? How did you even begin to reflect spiritually? Because your five senses in all the myriad of, of different possibilities of their experiences all collectively in some way contributed to your evolution to where you are now. So will all the, the the little things of your sixth sense will will compile to create one bigger process. It will be the, the final push to get you to where you need to be to become complete. How does telepathy contribute towards spiritual awakening it's a learning process I mean you if you feel enough people telepathically and when I, and I use the word feel because it's it's what it is You're, you, it's another way of experiencing the human nature. And what is the human nature but the human spirit? You've learned now another way to receive love. You've learned another way to experience. And what happens is after you've experienced enough of this, the mind begins to ponder the scope of these experiences and and begins to look at them in different ways. You internalize that. Just like you internalize all your other experiences, whether it's something soft or the, touching the face of someone you love, their smell, their, their, the sight of them, the sound of their voice. I mean, now you have another interpretation of a divine experience. You internalize this, and when you when it comes to the point to understanding the universe or God or, or something beyond you, you have a, a whole different mechanism of approach. And that approach is what opens the final doorways for you. You've matured to a higher frequency because you've internalized this this kind of knowledge by going out and experiencing all these little things. It builds up to a higher understanding. Where did emotion come from? Where emotion came from is is our natural instinct to survive, and we We developed emotion before we could talk. It's more natural to us than words. I mean, we would have to have a a sense of feeling of what was going on that was emotionally based because we we would grunt more or less. And and we would make uttering sounds or maybe hand gestures. But for the most part, we really had to be very perceptive in communicating information. And this evolved to a, a complexity of different emotions and the frustration of communicating well. But we were very sensitive at one point. To this information, and what happened is is we began to to evolve our brains okay, and our brains would then see the hand gestures a lot instead of having to invoke the the kind of emotional broadcast, we became very receptive to hand motions and the grunting, and it became more favorable or more convenient. Uh, for this dimension for us to really communicate in that method. So it, it metaphor, and as the, the, the larynx or whatever, the, the voice box um, moved up, which children, the reason why they can't really talk as quickly is because it, it can't move up into the right position. Once you get older, it moves up and you're able to, to talk better. We, in primitive times, didn't have that in that location. So we had a much higher level of sensory and emotional broadcasting. If you look at the aborigines, I mean, there are stories about them Walking hundreds of miles through through the outback, per se, and then meeting up at this precise location with other tribe members. And they would know where it is, and they would ask, how did you know? And they said, well, we would speak to each other through minds. Well, they would get a feeling of the place they needed to go is what really it is. It wasn't like they were having a conversation, but it's telepathy. So... We, They hung on to it for the most part, and even now they're, they've lost some of that okay? as time progresses. But we, of course, developed more in the sense of communication. The guttural sounds turned into words, and we became more dependent on that formula of communication because it, it was easier after we developed our, our lobes, per se. And this is, this is what happened. So we lost a lot of that ability. So I believe we had it much more in primitive times and we lost it as we evolved. And what we should have had was a, a better marriage between the sensory and broadcasting this rather than letting it deteriorate so much. And we would be much more advanced now and more at peace and a greater harmony.
3: Does the earth communicate with nature through emotion?
0: I believe so, but I think that it's so unique and alien-esque to our nature when spiritual people say that they feel nature they feel the embrace of nature They, i think they mean that quite literally i mean there's points where i can go out and meditate in nature and then i can experience this complete nature some people call it the mother goddess you know if you if you're pagan-esque or you know other people druids would refer to some, but they they have found a method of conveying this 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 experience. They commune or, or convey with that sense. For me, I feel that with the earth also. There is a, a total union that you can experience as you're part of this greater organism. Um, I also am able to feel that for our galaxy, and then of course our universe if you let yourself feel it. Some people would say well how can you feel the universe it's so so vast you know I said well how can you feel the earth it's so big It's just a matter of saying well you can feel the earth because you're in it why well, I say you can feel the universe because you're in it Could you telepathically communicate
3: with the earth Absolutely And would that be considered the Akashic records or is that something else
0: No it would be considered Akashic records When I go into the Akashic records per se, consciously in a way, but it's, it's kind of like two different things going on. I'm conveying down here, you see me here, but my mind is, is, is in this higher place with the intent that's coming from our conversation to find out information. And, and then I, I convey it from my mind back into the organic brain and I try to organize it in a method that I can communicate it. I sometimes see pictures, imagery, thoughts i'm impounded with feelings that i need to express to tie into all of that but it it is absolutely a form of telepathy but it's it's a different variation of it do you have to meditate in order to build your telepathic skills yes you you have to to have energy to to communicate like anything anything else in this universe there's always an exchange of energy um, so again, through meditation or understanding prana and, and being able to reciprocate that, your endurance level is, is determined by how far you're going to get for this kind of communication or how long it will last rather than in short bursts. When you learn the foundation series, the reason why it's such a unique kind of approach to meditation is you're really learning, learning to harness in energy energy. Keep your mind clear. You're you're learning a variety of things, and so when you apply yourself to these things, I think this is why there's such a success level with experiences, because you you not you don't have to give it a second thought. It's natural. When people individually learn these things, they find it more challenging because it, it wasn't how they were first introduced. I always say, if you're going to learn something, learn the most complex thing you can, because after you learn it, it's kind of in you. If you're constantly told to change or, or adapt something, you'll find that there's a lot more resistance to that learning process. It's just kind of how we absorb information. So my approach was, well, if I give them a system that utilizes all of these different things, when they go to apply themselves to something, it's just going to be very natural for them to, to achieve it. And, and and again, I attest that to being one of the, the factors of the success people have for profound breakthroughs in, the, in this arena.
3: So people are actively using energy while practicing telepathy? Always. So if you practice this for a couple of hours, would you feel drained or tired?
0: Even if spiritually you can do great levels, you still have to remember that your footing, your foundation is still in this physical dimension. So your physical body has requirements. It has needs and it's going to feel some level of exhaustion. I mean, if you ask yourself, if you were a computer office worker and you worked on on very mental things all day long and you went home and somebody else worked all day physically and you're like, oh, I'm exhausted. And they're like, well, I'm exhausted. I worked all day physically. You sat in an air conditioned room. Well, those of us who work in office would say, yes, but I am physically drained from that. There is a connection. They're not identical, but it's much the same way. You can only push yourself so much while you're in a physical, biological body. It's going to reflect. Can you project thoughts or emotions? Yeah, absolutely. But the problem with projection is it's always easier to receive than, in a sense, to broadcast. We're so used to interreacting with reality on such a physical level that it doesn't really make sense. It's almost like we're not naturally wired for it. I mean, if we want to react with another physical person, we talk, which is a physical, vocal kind of structure, in a sense, or we touch or we we smell something, or we we listen for something, but we we direct it from the outside to bring it in. Do you see what I'm saying? Like we're constantly receiving. When we want to communicate, we have to communicate much in in the same way of broadcasting it out. When we try to formulate how to send something out, it seems to be much more complex for us to try to do. We can do it, but the other person it has to be receptive. And if they're not receptive, that's where you got to say, hey, I'm sending something to you, but you got to do it without doing that. So the real question is how do you do that? You just have to overwhelm them. Now you get into this whole thing, which we went into high guard. You know, you have all these natural defense systems up. So this brings a, a whole myriad of, of problems. So sending is all, always more difficult to send to someone than it is to receive. And most of the time people would receive, I always say, if you're going to broadcast, do it at night. You know, make sure that they're sleeping. Because usually you can communicate with somebody on a dream level. They're more receptive than if you try to communicate with them while their mind is busy doing a lot of other things, distracting them. Use yourself as your own t- testament to this. I mean, there's times when you guys are thinking about something, you're, you're on track or whatever. You just stop. And you're just overwhelmed with someone's presence. Like you're, all of a sudden you're thinking very strongly of another person. Or you know this person is thinking of you. Well, how do you know that? Why do you feel that way? Do you think it's just random? 10 to 1, if you call up that person and you say, hey, you know, blah, 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 they're going to say, oh, I was just thinking of you. Are we just talking about you? I mean, how many times does that happen in your life? I mean, think about it. Now you can say, well, that's just random coincidence. Just, you know, so many times. Well, you start, get a pen and paper out, and every time it happens, react to it. You see what it totals up to. You're going to see something. But the question is, or the statement is as how often do you find reacted to it? You feel it, you internalize it, and then what do you do? You carry on with your day. It's almost like you dismiss it and you move on. You basically forget about it afterwards to even ask the person. That's the problem. We are not conscious. We are automated. You need to have mindfulness in order to, to react to these things or catch them when they are happened instead of the dough driving you back into your normal process. The idea is you want to sit down clear your mind clear your thoughts your intention now is telepathy it's not healing it's not leaving your body it's not enhancing your energy field your intent is you're you're going to try to communicate with another person the first thing you have to do is to stop organizing your thoughts with words start feeling what you want to do emotionalize your your communication the first thing you want to do is to feel that person invoking you their feeling their presence their their touch their texture their smell whatever you can but but think heavily of this person once you begin to think heavily of this person and you do it in in a very loving way remember what i said about high guard you you have to have a very clear intention a very friendly intention okay and you need to to broadcast that person now what you're going to do is once you you've develop this this feeling towards this person you now slowly want to to release your intentions or your feelings or to communicate in emotion what you want to say to this person so you might want to send to them a love now there's a difference between love and lust because i'll tell you you can feel the difference so you you send a love and hopefully they'll be more receptive to that and they're gonna they're gonna feel this this the same reception back to you like how grateful they are If you send a lust, well, that person may not want your lust, and immediately that's going to shove you out of their energy field. Or they may receive it well. But now, if if they don't, it becomes a darker, more cynical energy of of really trying to control or dominate someone. So interpretation is, is very interesting. You may want to convey to them, you know, a fear of them going somewhere. You may know that that, that there's trouble somewhere and so you can't find that person, but you know they're heading to that trouble and you might want to broadcast that, you know, like in a loving way, information rather than than, than broadcasting the trauma because they're going to receive just the trauma and they're going to say, what's, you know, they're going to block you out. So it's very, you have to be very creative how you broadcast information because most of it will be filtered out or rejected. It is very much you know, ritualistic in a sense, or, or that you have to sit down and apply yourself to a process, clarity, surrender, you know, true intention. And remember, don't try to to mix in too much information. The more complex you make it, the more difficult it is to send the information to be received unless that person is someone like myself or somebody very evolved that they're going to receive a lot of information. How can you differentiate ownership of thoughts? You already know that. You already know the answer. Again, that internal sense tells you in a way what is and what isn't if you choose to listen to it. If you just stop and you go, okay, where is this coming from? What makes you stop for a second and go, it's like something strange just happened. You're like, oh, you know, what was that? But you internalize it. And then you're like, you know, all right. And you go back into the dough. You're going back into your process of doing things. So you already know that. I think women do a better job at it than men. If I ask this with women, I, I see all their heads nodding, you know, right. And the guys are all like, you know, what do you mean? They are more aware of their emotions because their very emotional centers are very developed in them. So there's a higher level of that understanding, that communication. So right away, they know like something funny is going on where men are not as adept. They need to practice a bit at it.
3: What about projecting thoughts on someone to make them fall in love with you?
0: I think that when somebody's really in love with someone, one of two things happens. They project such intensity towards them that the person maybe gives in to that and reciprocates it or begins to feel that and reciprocate that. But nine times out of ten, they feel resentment. They feel that energy and they, they take it as an undesirable thing. And it's so dominating, such a powerful force behind it, okay, that they begin to reject it. Okay. Now when you go to a third party, which is your your witch doctor or your voodooist or your person who's going to invoke this on this other person for you, I would say they have a better chance of success in some cases than you would if that person has mixed feelings towards you. And the reason is is they are looking for your energy. They're familiar with your energy. Okay. And I really shouldn't be teaching all the loopholes to this stuff, but but here it is. When it comes from someone that has no connection to you, it is also unfamiliar energy. It doesn't necessarily mean it's coming with bad intention or good intention. So they're saying, you know, oh, you know, you're getting images of this person and stuff. You may begin to think that this is your own thinking. You may start to integrate this as your own process. And then the biological brain begins to imprint. It begins to, to create the right chemicals, per se, to create this attraction. And so, yes, there's there's a truth to it. There's a feasibility. So now everybody's going to run out and do this. A person has to be at the right place at the right time for these things to happen. I mean, you know, there's there's a greater chance it's not going to have success because this person already is imprinted with somebody naturally or has other. But if they don't have anybody particularly in their life and they're not they're not really invoking somebody, I, there's a very good chance you could get this person. You know, unless it goes against their nature. I mean, if it's if it's a of a man trying to seduce another man, I mean, biologically there's not an interest. They might feel a friendship towards you, but they're not going to want to, you know, c- cross that border. It's the same if, if, if a woman just would not physically be interested in you. There There is going to be barriers there, you know. But if there's a chance that they could be, okay, you can enhance the probability chances of success.
3: Are there rules you should follow when developing telepathic abilities?
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's one rule. Do unto others as you would want done unto yourself. Would you like to be manipulated? Would you like to be controlled? Would you like to be violated? What do you consider personal and not personal? I think that everybody has that right. If somebody comes to me and they, they want to know information, well, then that's an open invitation. It's different than me going out and purposely, you know, getting information to use against somebody. If I'm going out to practice, I'm really working on random people, people I would not even affect their life. They wouldn't even know who I am, nothing like that. Then, you know, I might have some play to develop my own skills as long as I'm being respectable and non harmful to other people. But for the most part, I certainly would want people to respect my vulnerabilities in the way that I would, you know, respect theirs. And I, I think you can look at it any way you want, and, and, and it's self-explanatory. We all know right from wrong. What's the best way to practice in the beginning? Well, the, the first thing you want to do is just is just find people that you feel comfortable talking with and just let them know that you're dabbling around with, with telepathy and, and stuff and that you need someone to be really honest with you, and if they wouldn't mind. So now you've asked for permission, so, if they say yes, I'm, I'm open to that kind of stuff, sure. Uh, you, you might want to sit there and just say, you know, okay, you know, you pick random subjects love, who, what kind of mate do they have? And you start to say, okay, um, I'm going to tell you what kind of person I feel is in your life or not in your life. And you just kind of listen to your feelings when you ask that intention inside of you. So you you will get a response. Don't try to analyze it. Just go with your flow and communicate it. And the first instinct is going to be say less so that there's there's more room. Okay, that's fine. Work with less so that you get more of a positive reaction. Like okay, that would be true. That would be true. And build yourself up to to more detailed answers as you build your confidence level. Okay, um, you then might want to talk to them about their home their their work situation what you feel about what's going on with that uh anything that's practical work love life um <clears throat> personal time hobbies uh friendship situations family members crises not crisis maybe what their family members look like or that or a house that you're picking up on or don't be so selective just start describing stuff that you feel from them you know whether you get an image of a, of a house describe the house Uh, Just you know if there's trees out front or out back, you know describe the trees Um, If you get images of people just start randomly describing what you're seeing This hopefully will be received with a positive Reaction that will reinforce you to start becoming braver in your description levels and also develop a good sense of you What's correct for information? and What's not so that you can start using it on a broader level? Um, Meaning you could go out and scan people or or environments or or such in, in different ways Um, another thing you can do is, uh, work with someone and this is a higher level, of course, once you've passed that level, um, work with someone that's dreaming at night and say, I'm going to project to you, is that okay? And you're going to say, yes. All right. So you, let's say you sit down, you clear your mind, you invoke that person intensely and then take a, a shoe and hold the shoe and just, just broadcast the whole feeling and textures of shoes and see if they come back and they say, oh my God, all night I was just dreaming about walking or there was all these shoes or I don't know why, but I was fascinated with shoes, even if it wasn't. A shoe, it was a sandal or it was a foot. There's a connection there and you keep, you keep trying to develop that or sit down and get a feather, a big white feather and just stroke it and feel it as you're in that zone, invoking them and sending in a very comfortable, positive way that information. Okay, and see what they what they tell you the next day what they dreamed about also ask them what they dreamed about that whole week even after you've done the session because sometimes information for somehow has is like is like internalized maybe there's something more critical going on in their life so that information couldn't get through. It wasn't the dominant purpose. But as soon as their their life is mellow or not so dramatic, they're able to digest that information. It's like it's like it's like lingering in the etherways waiting to be downloaded. So those would be practical systems that you could work with. But make sure you get permission first that they feel comfortable with it. So they don't feel your presence. They can't understand what is it, what does this person want from me? Do you see what I'm saying? We're always fearful of the things we don't understand. So it's very important to seek out a very good communication with someone but you don't give them any details this is going to be a technique that I use to teach others to develop telepathy it's not something I can easily walk someone through during a process it's more or less how you're going to set up your training process the first thing we want to do is to set up a situation where you're not going to be disturbed, no one's going to bother you, there's going to be no interference of any type. You're obviously going to have to work with another person to find somebody you feel comfortable with. Eventually, what you wanna do is you wanna work with people, you wanna work with people that you really don't know. Um, maybe it's a friend of a friend or your girlfriend's you know, brother or you know, vice versa. Uh, family member. In either case, the less that you can guesstimate, which is going to be your natural instinct, okay, uh, which is based upon your knowledge of someone um, and, of course, instincts of what you're studying visually from them and your overall feel from your natural senses that you're working with. Um, so what you want to do is work with somebody that you don't really know much about. It makes you push your sensory to a higher level. What we're going to do is have you pull out a sheet of paper, and you're going to write down uh, some basic emotions that I'm going to list off. And the reason why I'm going to list them off, um, we will enclose them with the material, but if someone loses that material forever, if they have this CD, obviously they'll be able to write these, these down. So I'll just run these off very quickly. Joy, distress, happy for, gloating, resentment. Jealousy, Envy, Sorry For, Hope, Fear, Satisfaction, Relief, Disappointment, Fears Confirmed, Pride, Admiration, Shame, Reproach, Liking, Disliking, Gratitude, Anger, Gratification, Remorse, Love, and hate. Now, the reason why you're going to write these down, you want to put these on separate pieces of paper, kind of folded. And what you're going to do is you'll put them in a bag and you're going to sit in one seat and have another person sit maybe, oh I'd say about five feet away, give or take. And they're going to sit directly across from you in another chair. Now, what this person is going to do is to pull one of these pieces of paper out of a bowl or a bag. They're going to be able to read what emotion is stated on there, and they're going to number it as number one. You on the other side will also have a pen and paper, and you're going to write a one, and then you're going to look at the other person, and this person's job is to project to you the emotion that they have on their little cue card or their piece of paper. So if they have joy without using words, without moving their body, they can show it on their face to a certain degree because what you're going to do is, you're going to make it more complicated as you're progressing your sensory skill. At first you're going to start off obviously by reading very micro movements in their face, which is going to take some skill. And you're going to get an an overall impression of what your eyes are telling you, more or less, from a very physiological point of view, and not necessarily telepathic. So you would write down, if they had pulled joy, they're projecting you. you're going to write number one, joy. And then, then you're going to say okay to the person without saying anything else. And they're going to know now to reach in and pull out another cue card. And that cue card, let's say, is resentment. Their job now is to create that emotion inside of them and project it at you as if that's what they're feeling towards you. All of these should be sent towards you. So, of course, you want to minimalize the hate or the anger so you don't really take it on your energy field. So, they will project this, and your job is to write down on your cue card whether you feel it was anger, sorrow, resentment, or whatever you felt it was now it's not to say in the very beginning that it's going to be accurate, and these cue cards should be more simplified in the very beginning, so you should just have anger, happiness, sorrow, and whatever else. One more keep it to four and work with that, and build yourself up to the complexity of the set that we're giving you to work with so once they've gone through all of these your job is now to sort out which ones do you guys consider a hit from the misses so there's going to be 26 emotions what you want to do is you want to hit a level above 50 percent if you can get yourself up to 60 to 70 percent hit then you want to begin to progress to the next level of this program what you're going to do with your test person is something very similar. They're now going to invoke a feeling or a memory of a place, whether it's a childhood place or the feeling of their mother or the feeling of their father. Perhaps it's a pet that they once loved. Their job is to imagine, for instance, if it was a dog or a cat, them having that pet in their hands, what it felt like, the love they showed it, the the feeling that they received back from that pet, their admiration for it. And your job now is to take your notepad and to start scribbling down impressions feelings that you're getting you could say i feel something small i feel something a sense of furriness uh a sense of love or a sense of fear you might have feared the the pet that you had and to write all this down and then you want to begin some kind of speculation it, it felt like a pet it felt like something i was afraid of uh, it was an animal it was a person and what you want to do is you want to to collect as much information as you can and sort it out later do not try to figure it out while you're doing it Just start jotting down what you're feeling from that person across from you you can break this down into several different um, tests you can use different people it's very 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 important to mix it up with people as often as you can if you get used to using the same person over and over and over again You're really learning to limit your sensory feel to that person's kind of presence or energy. If you start off in the very beginning with a mixture, you won't think anything of it, and you'll have very good skills with scanning other people in general because you you taught yourself to be very flexible. The next thing that you might want to have them do is to get a photograph, to use this photograph for them to look at it and to see what kind of feelings it invokes, what kind of imagery it invokes. And it's very important that you remember that you're dealing with emotion with telepathy. Not saying I'm thinking of a of a tree or I'm thinking of an ocean. Feel the ocean. Feel what it feels like to feel that tree. It has a presence. It has a feeling. Visualize it, but feel the texture of the bark. Feel the the, the movement or hear the movement of the tree, how it sways in the wind, or, or what it would have to the feeling of having a club for it up in the tree. Everything has a feeling. When you telepathically pick up information from another person it's not generally what I would say images as much as it is very complex emotion and what happens is, is you can pick up on this emotion but it's your brain now that has to decipher the microcoding and put it back into a texture for your mind to visualize. Now, that may sound incredibly hard to do, but we really do similar things constantly. What you see for your eyes is really bits of data that your brain is is creating a, a texture map, per se, in your mind. The same thing goes for what you hear and, and what you smell. So it's, it's to say that if you just accept the fact that you can feel other people's emotions, you can then internalize it as if it was your own emotion, and your brain will do the work of Relaying or developing what it is. It's it's getting for information and put a picture to it or a face to it or a structure to it So on and so forth so what you want to do is allow them to focus enough on that image But it's very important that they try to feel the emotion of that Um, Another note is when you develop your own little program for developing this is that you you want to start off with little steps Perhaps when you get past the level of picking up on joy or sadness, frustration, anger, or envy, that you want to to make it into two or three feelings of emotion that would make sense. Envy of a person, a fear of a building, of heights, and, and, and trying to project the feeling of what that building would feel like, the coldness, the smoothness, the largeness, the, the massiveness of it. You want to project that and, and try to find one feeling for a building that you can project. But you need to experiment with this and then find different ways of projecting. I would say on average, once you get really good, you're, you're going to hit levels maybe about on average as good as 80%. The brain tends to want to fixate information or suggest to you what it thinks. And your job right now, especially what you've learned in the foundations that's going to help greatly, is to quiet the babbler and to focus purely on what you're feeling and your emotions are without trying to rationalize them, without trying to decide what it is you're feeling. Just take it in and just basically denote what what you expect it to be or what you feel that it is, but not trying to overread into it. In your brain, you might hear a barking dog. So right away, you're trying to imagine a dog or what that dog would look like. If you're not immediately picking up on it, just put down barking. Barking, you know, as you assume as a dog. Try to just leave it there unless you're getting a strong impression of a dog. But your brain will automatically want to start adding information. And that's what you have to be careful of, of what is legitimate information versus what is going to be your telepathic information. Now, once you've practiced with picking up on people's emotions and more complex levels of emotions or them looking at photographs and projecting that information for you to pick on, you can then go out in public and selectively just start feeling other people. You'll be able to take a glance at someone, and because you've trained yourself on basic telepathic feelings and emotions, you'll be able to apply it to that person. And what you're trying to do is to get... More complex data. Naturally, you're going to start off by stereotyping them because of the way they look, the way they're dressed, their mannerisms. What will happen is if you allow yourself the flow and you can keep that clearness in your mind and feel with your emotions feel okay and you have to have an intent of a question like like who is this person what do they do for work you don't think about it you just just some part of you is like inquiring without expressing those in words inside of your your consciousness what will happen is if you just wait for that response it will give you textures or what i call information and then you let that information build up and it will actually solidify into something worthwhile it's very good not to overwhelm yourself with this. Take time to sit down and relax. Some people are more difficult to get information from than others. It's not because they're smarter or, or not as smart. It's just that maybe they have a lot on their mind. So they're racing with thought and you're not be able to get a good tap on them at first, but practice makes perfect practice, practice, practice.
2: A lot of people ask us, where's the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the foundation meditation system. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development, and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website foundationmeditation.com to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over a thousand dollars in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at Institute, all one word.
3: If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge.
2: If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. Meditation.
1: It's more than just relaxation. There are different kinds of meditation, just like there are different tools to do a job. Finding the right kind of meditation will decide whether you awaken or whether you just simply drift. Energy. More than just a thought, but of movement that you can literally feel through your body. Visions. More than a faded idea within your consciousness, but rather... A vivid reality so clear, it'll make you question reality itself. Meditation, if used properly, will show you how to move the currents of your mind into a better life, a more prosperous life. Consciousness expanding, memory improvement, inner balance, higher balance. Most of all, discover who and what you are, and what you can do. Join us at Higher Balance Institute. We'll help change your world.